Welcome back to Chat Shit Get Sick with me, your host, Danny Field. This is part two of a chat I had with the proper funny Danny Jones. So you're, say you're Monday to Friday doing comedy in Bristol. What does that sort of look like in terms of how many gigs you could squeeze in? Oh, do you know what? Bristol is heathen. There is a decent gig every night of the week. Um, really? Not like an open mic night or a new material night on Saturdays because obviously you get like yeah. people busy with pro bills. But Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, there's open mic nights or new material stuff every night. Bristol's got this really cool vibe where it's like big enough that you could have... And you quite often do have regular nights that double up on the same day. Yeah. But it's big enough and there's enough of a scene that I don't feel like it really interferes with each other. So like, you could come down here for a week, you know, and smash out, well, like nine, probably 10 gigs if you wanted. Yeah. If you doubled up a couple of nights. Oh, I can only dream of that. Digging <laughs> <You can, laughs> in London, I can only dream of that. It's... Uh... Ah, you treat yourself. Come on down for a week. <laughs> yeah. The one thing with London is getting getting people to go to the gig. Um, you're okay if you've got like a girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever because they'll generally go with you. But like towards the end, it can get a bit tiring. Like I've I've stopped telling uh, my girlfriend Becky to come along to some of them because it just like it takes up her week just coming to like so many gigs. Yeah. But, uh, no, see, mean... there there were two reasons why I asked that question. One of them was for the podcast, but the other is that I'm looking to go to uni next year in Bristol's, one of the yes. options. Oh! Yeah. Yes, so I've, I've just on, been to, my, my So far, I'm, I'm between London, and basically I'm choosing my university, obviously based on the uni, but also based on being able to do stand-up. And I've, yeah. got, <laughs> I've, I've sort of got it between London, Manchester, slash the Northwest, and then Bristol. And so I know like Manchester and Liverpool and sort of gigs around there, there'd be quite a lot. Um, I know what London's like, but I wasn't entirely sure what Bristol's like. Um, so I don't know how big Bristol is, if that makes sense. Like, I know Bristol's a city and it's like, it's a fairly decent sized city, but also I've never been to Bristol. Oh, mate. Yeah. It, well, oh my God, I'm literally the most enthusiastic Bristolian ever. I absolutely love it here. I didn't even want to go away to uni, so I went to Bath and drove. Yeah. <laughs> literally, I love it here. It's got a real, it's just... It's big enough that you can have that little bit of, you know, um, you know, not everybody knows you and there's plenty going on, but it's also got like a real nice community vibe, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could live on the outskirts of Bristol, very, very, very outskirts, like by the airport and whatever, and be in town in 40 minutes. Like nothing is miles and miles and miles away. Yeah. Yeah, the comedy is thriving. And from what I've seen... Um, I always just felt like the, most of the gigs, most of the gigs I've done here have been really well run and you get regular hosts and there's quite a lot, lot of opportunities for paid work slightly outside as well. So like I said, if you can get a lift or you can travel to Taunton, then you might get, you know, a nice little middle spot that's paid and got some like petrol money and stuff. So yeah. it's those kind of gigs where I've mostly picked up paid work because if you can, you know, get about and go down to, um, you know, somewhere in Wiltshire on a Friday night and yeah. you know, get a little paid gig, then it's lovely. But yeah, there's so much going on and I'm I think I think I'm allowed to say this. Uh I'm taking over a night um in Bristol eventually. Yeah. So there's a okay. really, really cool um venue called Smoke and Mirrors. Yeah. Which 
um, is right next to the Bristol Hippodrome, which is like the big theatre. And it's this really cool sort of theatre bar, magic bar kind of place. And they've got a really well-established comedy night. And me and another comedian called Jesse Nixon, who is super, super funny, um, they've had a bit of a changeover during coronavirus. But when things eventually start up, the two of us are going to be sharing the hosting of it. So yeah. every other week, it's going to oh, be that- me, every other week it'd be her. Yeah, oh, that'd be sweet. So I guarantee you at least one gig <laughs> if you want to come down. <laughs> yeah, well, I've got to be bringing out, don't I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you've gone down to London. Yeah, oh, there you go. Perfect. Yeah, but no yeah. bringers for you in Bristol. You don't even have to worry about that. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think my girlfriend's more relieved about that than I am, to be honest. Oh, no. But, uh, <laughs> what are you looking at? Uh, what are you going to do at uni? What do you want to study? Um, so I've, I've spent like the last year doing an access course. Um, doing it's humanities and social sciences so it's like sociology psychology english and i'm looking between doing sociology and social sciences um so i'm looking at kings at the moment um for social sciences and i think that'd be like my number one choice to do um but then outside of that um i'm gonna either do so i've got sociology for manchester and bristol and then sort of a couple of other choices that aren't as sort of good as those that hopefully I won't need to use but um but yeah like Bristol sort of it was a surprise really because I wasn't expecting to be choosing from those types of universities like I was I left school with one GCSE and um you know like this course it was good and I never felt like I couldn't do it but I just sort of thought I'd probably do like a middle of the road type thing and then I got my results back and I was like fucking hell I can like I'm a couple <laughs> of grades off applying for Oxford so I was like this is a surprise for everyone so I had to get new glasses <laughs> to make me look smarter but um <laughs> and so you can make sure you read your grades properly <laughs> yeah just so people know I deserve to be there but um <laughs> but no so oh, yeah I've been brilliant. looking in, looking into into Bristol um because my family ne- live near like Swindon but for whatever reason I've never been to Bristol I've been to Swindon yeah. probably more times that I want to go to yeah me. i was gonna say i'll hold back on swindon don't worry about that <laughs> but like because have you ever have you done much comedy in swindon is there much of a comedy scene there um i had a again it was cancelled because of coronavirus but i did have a swindon gig booked in yeah i think god it would have been like last week i think so um yes there is a i know of one decent night that's there run by a guy called sam michaels who's really cool but yeah i don't know i don't know i only know of this one but, yeah, well, yeah. It, it don't come across as like whenever I've been there, it's got like a shopping center in the middle of Swindon. It's just like this. It's not massive, but it's just it takes up a lot of space. There's a shopping center. <laughs> Swindon um, takes up a lot of space. I've <laughs> <to be> <laughs> <laughs> heard someone describe it before as like the stain on Wiltshire. <laughs> it's a bit harsh. That's so funny. I love that. Yeah. But like, I mean, I suppose between like the shopping centre and like the magic roundabout, there's not actually much else in Swindon other than houses. Um, no, and just despair. Yeah, I, I was. Uh, I mean, I've dri- like driven down to Swindon, obviously, then driving down to Bath. Um, it's I, I just find it mad how you can have like Bath and Swindon so close to each other, and it's just completely different vibes. Like oh, completely God, different yeah. vibes miles and miles away from each other and like yeah and vibe check <laughs> yeah i don't think there's many international university students that are thinking about doing a, a year or two in swindon <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh dear oh, oh well, that's brilliant i mean i think you'll have like loads of opportunities at, at any of those places but yeah i mean if bristol's on your radar you will yeah. have no trouble yeah oh well, that that puts my mind at rest um because yeah like 
obviously I want to go to uni and get what I want out of uni, but I want to be able to do stand up on the side. Otherwise I'd probably just end up dropping out of the degree. Um, it's mad how much just standing in front of a crowd, not being paid can have such an effect and like what you want to do like Monday to Friday. Yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes it, it feels like, you know, even if you're having a bad day at work or things are a bit stressful, it's like, Oh, you know, you've got something you're going to have a really good crack at later. Yeah. Yeah. And just that, it's something to look forward to isn't it even though at the time it might be a bit terrifying where you walk in a room and everyone like you know it's all like massive scary football lads and then you think oh my god and then you get on with the first joke and they're on board and you're like yes <laughs> i did it it's a very good night and then it's all worth it isn't it for you know yeah for all that well i've found gigging in uh like definitely unlike the open mic scene in london i found it to be um and like new zealand as well there there weren't a lot of heckles um like i mean you you get silence i think silence are given with any <laughs> any any gig where people don't like you but you don't really get heckled that much i've never ever been heckled in like a nasty way yeah but i've had people like you know shout out and join join in or like um but i try and work that in like I've, i do some i've got this set about um <laughs> it's basically the okay, I'll explain it all but basically it's kind of to do with being an online dominatrix <laughs> yeah. and like I've start, I've done that set and then I've had people shout it and I'm like oh it's not an auction you know stuff <laughs> like that and little yeah. bits of banter with people but no I've never had anything nasty and just trying to think now of like watching other people no not really I just you get people kind of pipe up I mean if they're really dying you might get people like oh for god's sake but like that would be yeah. like somebody being like tone deaf and just inappropriate maybe at an open mic night, something like that. But generally, yeah. no. Yeah, I, de I generally find they're like, just open mic nights in general, just really supportive. Um, unless you do something like King Gong at the comedy store where the audience are pretty much told to like rip the shit out of you as soon as you get up there and you have to win <laughs> them over. <laughs> but yeah. like outside of that gig, like I think just everywhere I've been, it's been quite good as an open micer. I, mean, I suppose part of it's like if you're a comedian you don't want to be that person that's just heckling another comedian in case you don't get the gig again and then if you're a bringer I've, I've known a couple of bringers to be like hammered and it was probably like the last time that comedian brought that person because they're like fucking hell I can't keep doing this but like yeah you know, I had a situation like that once I did a gig and um I brought some of my friends came along and one of them was so drunk and so annoying and like he kept talking like actually he was quite yeah he was hacking a bit and just being an idiot and yeah. then um the like host like fully ripped into him and then I got up to do my bit and I was like right I feel like you should all know that this dickhead is my mate and I'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> I am like you kind of kind of shut up but yeah, you do get people occasionally like, and he didn't mean it in like a nasty way. He thought he just had too much to drink. He kind of, you know, you get those people, don't you, who think they're part of it. Yeah, and you're like, 100%. You're, you're not, mate. Like, I want you to be part of it. If I ask you a question and laugh and like a bit of chat, but actually, when I'm talking, you should not. Like, yeah, 100%. <laughs> if you want to swap places, I'll tell you where you can go for an open mic, mate. But yeah, you get that vibe sometimes. But yeah, that's, yeah. um, you, you see that when people have like the best of intentions and then they just sort of accidentally look like a massive idiot. Like, I'm not saying that was your friend, but I'm thinking of something that oh, I've yeah, seen. No, that is my friend. <laughs> <laughs> but like I, I was in a, when I was in um, Auckland and I was watching an open mic night at the classic again, like, you know, actual comedy club. So it sort of brings in like some of the regular comedy goers as well as just people in for an open mic night. 
and yeah. um so that, you know they come out like most mcs will come out and just make a bit of a fuss saying if you've got a problem just have it with me otherwise let the comedians sort of do their thing and yeah so it was like it was five dollars to get in um there's 10 comedians on so it's something like 50 peer comedian and people had been out and this one person gone out and he's he does um one-liners and like if you've ever seen like a one i mean any one-liner um that you watch on telly is just like phenomenal they really don't have a bad joke because it's just it's stricken it's like stripped down so much just to the punch yeah, line. so precise but to work yourself up to do one-liners like you must die so much because you've <laughs> yeah. got to go through so much more material than anyone else does for what could be like i don't know you might have like a, a, a little joke say it lasts like 30 seconds and for like you know a few seconds of that 30 is a punchline that person doing the um, one-liners has got to just have like you know three four five one-liners in just to keep it going and yeah. he went up he done well some of the jokes weren't that great some of them are a bit like um it's open mic night some of them were you've sort of seen before like you know when you when you come up with a joke and you're like, oh that's really funny and then someone goes yeah that's that's literally been done and you're like oh for fuck's sake so yeah. it was a mix of that but he was funny and this geezer um he was sat there didn't like him the mc come out and went yeah um have you all had a good night and then one guy geezer goes yeah no it's been a good night but i want to give 50p back for the guy with his one-liners and the whole place just looked at him like daggers the MC came out and absolutely destroyed the person that heckled him. Like the, the MC's known for being, um, his name's David Correos. Um, he's done, like, I think he's done an Edinburgh show, Edinburgh show before. Like he's known as being like, he'll, he'll take his clothes off for a joke and like, it'll be funny, not in like a perverted way, but like, yeah. and he just took it to like such an extreme, just like ripping the shit out of this person. And then whilst he was doing that, someone in the audience gets 50 cent out of their purse, lobs at him and go, here's your money, mate. Now, fuck off. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> I think it was just like the best, the best reaction or like response to, to a heckle from an audience member as well that I've seen. That is genius. But uh, yeah, like that was, you know, that, that's like a, a one in a million though. Like most of the time it is just supportive, like friendly people just wanting... You want every open mic night. You want everyone to be funny. If you pay for yeah. comedy, you generally expect people to be funny. So when they're not, I think that's when you get opened up to like being heckled. But if you're going to go in for an open mic night for free, you want to make it as funny um, as a night as you can. Otherwise, you're just going to be sat there like bored shitless. Well, yeah, and you know the expectation is is just completely whatever will be will be, don't you? Open mic, you just go there to see what happens, and you've got yeah. to be on board with that. But you know, actually, just reminded me, I have had one a sort of a heckle, sort of positive, but yeah. just really bizarre experience. So this was literally, it was my third gig. Um, actually, no, let me tell you about my second gig because it's, it's relevant, right? So my yeah. second gig. <laughs> okay. There was, these, there was this couple in the front and they were pretty much a nightmare for everyone all night. They were um, really rough and ready, like really just mouthy down in Stella like just what just a bit crazy and then um I got up and I always you know my kind of thing is that I always say I'm a recovering chav yeah. you know I'm very working class background um but now you know I, I work in tv production which is very middle class so I've learned to speak a bit nicely and I've got a posh boy boyfriend so I'm kind of that but like deep down 
I'll spark you out. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of my thing. Yeah. And this couple, they loved it. They, they like, afterwards, they were like, that was brilliant. You're so funny. You're on our level. And I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. That was the end of that. Then a week later, I came back to the same venue, uh, which so it was my third gig, did exactly the same set. And the, this couple were there again. And as I got up to start my set, she got up, walked from the, like, whatever row she was in, with the flash on her phone, stood in front of me and started filming me. Oh, no. Like, in my, like, uh, very close to me, like, yeah. knelt down. Proper like a invasion dad. of privacy. Literally, like a dad at graduation. Yeah. Like, it was so weird. And I, it was my third gig, I had no idea what to do. So I was like, oh, <laughs> that's a bit weird. Um, then I completely forgot what I was saying, trying to pull it back, and eventually one of the other comedians was like really sorry but you can't do that and she went i'm only doing it because i like her i think she was funny i spoke to her last week she's my mate <laughs> and i was like <laughs> still stood up in front of like what was quite a busy room with him now yeah. i and with this woman her flash was like swinging around the place oh, I was no. like, oh my god and eventually she sat down and i was like you said flash I thought you said oh. vag i thought you went her vag was swinging all around the place <laughs> i'm like what the fuck's happening here <laughs> No, she didn't get her flaps out. It was a flash on her phone. Okay. <laughs> but it was really bizarre. And then afterwards, like later in the evening, I seen her. She was furious. She was like, that guy was such a prick to me, love. Like, I was only saying all that because I liked you and I wanted to video you so I could, like, you know, see it later or, like, put it on Facebook or something. And I was yeah. like, oh, well, thanks, but you really you really can't do that. Anyway, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook yeah. Live as well for, for all their family and friends. Oh, my God, could you imagine? And it was worse because I was like, I'm literally about to tell you exactly the same jokes you were with last week. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah. yeah that, that was a memorable one. Oh, that is... Um... I was going to give up. I might have given up then. <laughs> 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 I was mortified. And like, you know, when you get that thing I'll where bet. you forget where you were and you're yeah. like, oh, there's nothing more cringy than when you hear someone repeat the last, like, like a, the last sentence is fine. But, you know, when sometimes you catch yourself and you're like, oh, I've said this, these last two jokes already. Yeah. And you like spoil the illusion. That is the most painful thing to me. The thing is, you're so like young in doing comedy there, where you're like, how do I deal with something like this? Like, yeah. People don't, I think like a lot of people watching comedy don't realize that like, generally there will be some people that can just deal with a heckler and they probably didn't need much experience in comedy. But for most people, you have to learn how to um, like be in that situation where someone's interrupting you and you've got to work out like, they've been a dickhead. Is it an accident? And, what do you do if someone puts the flash on their phone and starts recording you? Like, to do that, like, like, your, what was your second gig, was that? That was my third gig. So the second but, one, they just were there. But then the, yeah, the, and then third, the third one. They put the flash on. Yeah, yeah. like, yeah. Uh, that's, um, I, I've had it once where, um, you know, I was telling, so like my material about having testicular cancer. And then someone from the back just went, are you lying? And I'm <gasps> just thinking of all the fucking things to lie about on stage. To a group of strangers. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to lie about having one testicle. No one <laughs> has ever gone out on a night out, told everyone they've got one testicle. And then everyone's come flocking to them. Like, oh, mate, you, you got one testicle. All the women are going, oh, you've got one testicle. Oh, like, yeah, I'll give one. <laughs> of all <laughs> the things, do you know what I mean? Of all the things to fucking, yeah, I just like, no, I'm not fucking like, making it up. That's like assuming that you're such a sick bastard because like what kind of person would make that up even for jokes it's not you yeah. know you just wouldn't go there would you but yeah. you'd be like what do you want me to do do you want me to whack the, whack the one little fella out and show you like, <laughs> <laughs> that's 
I went for a phase actually when it first happened of just showing people. So I think if I started stand up about five years ago, then it would have been the case. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I didn't with like, you know, how popular camera phones are. And, but, oh, um, cool. yeah, Facebook Live, like you said. Yeah. There, <laughs> but even that's just reminded me, even when I done the, um, the King Gong show um, uh, for comedy, the comedy, the comedy store, I was going to say Comedy Central for some reason, but for the comedy <laughs> store. And um, there's, so they've got it on their Facebook Live and there's people in the comments. And one person went, oh, yeah, he's my mate. I know him. He's got both balls. It's just a gag. I had no <gasps> fucking clue who the person was. Oh my god, it's like some troll. Some yeah, just some troll. like just some weirdo. Fucking yeah, I know him. He's lying. And I'm just like fucking. I can't see it at the time, so it's okay. But I'm just sort of watching it. Like, why the fuck would you say that? Like, it was the worst heckle as well. It wasn't even like he's taking the piss out of it. He just got nah. He's just lying, mate. He's just oh bullshitting. That is so weird. Yeah, it's um. You, there, there were some very weird comments, to be honest. I've, 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 I've learned straight away not to read them. My girlfriend read one or two to me, but it's because they were our friends and they've sort of just put in like, you know, like messages of support. And I thought, oh, what else is in there? And then I found that and I was just like, why the fuck would you like, just enjoy the, enjoy the show? Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because again, it's that sort of thing is that people will say what they want on the internet and not in real life. So like a similar thing. So I did one of these... Um, charity um comedy events but I, I submitted a sketch rather than stand up and there were some brilliant brilliant other stand-ups this is like one of the russell howard type things yeah and um there were some really nasty comments about some of the comedians popping up in because yeah. it was live it was like in the live it was on twitch in the chat on the side and i was just like why would you why would you ever say that like, phys- like physical sort of demeaning comments about uh, men and women, like most of the women, but yeah. a bit about both. And I thought you'd never sit there in a pub and go, oh, look at this fat old cow, she makes you feel sick. Do you know I mean, like, why would you yeah. go out of your way to type that to someone? Well, it's one, horrible. One, one girl went on and she's black and she just has a few jokes of like being black in Britain. And then someone just put, oh, talking about being black again, yawn. And you're just <gasps> like, oh my God. What? And it, like, I don't even think she'd got to a punchline yet. They just heard her say, like, she's black and then was just like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, why would you put that out to someone? Like, they can read it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's no need for it whatsoever. No. And again, it's like, I bet you wouldn't say that to her after a gig, yeah. would you? If you in a pub, like, oh, saying all that again, were you? Yeah. And it's just like people forget, like, you, as, a, as a comedian, you need an angle. Like, yeah. unless you're someone that's really observational or like you do one-liners where everything is a joke, most stand-ups have a sort of angle. Like, um, Russell Howard goes on like him, you know, being like West Country and his mum's accent a lot. Like, Ramesh yeah. Ranganathan um, talks about like being brown in Britain a lot. So like, I- I'm going to talk about, you know, being um, like having cancer or growing up in cancer estate. You talk about like being from the West Country and being working class. Like, you need something to hang on to. I think people watch stand up and they, they're not like, I was going to say they can't be sort of, uh, like, um, you know, hardcore fans. Cause then they would, they would know that. But then again, you get a lot of hardcore fans that whenever a woman comes on and they're like, Oh, well, they've got to talk about, uh, periods all the time. And it's just yeah. like, well, 50% of the fucking population get them. 
And then the other 50% don't. So it's like, not only are you relating to 50% of people, but then 50% of people don't know what it's like to have a period. So maybe you can put like a funny perspective on, on something that we don't really know about. But it's well, just yeah, like, you can flip that the other way, can't you? And say, well, 50% of the population listen to countless wanking jokes. You've got to have some sort of angle, haven't you? Because otherwise it's not very fun just to be like, hello, I'm a straight, white, youngish person. You've got to like go for something. And like, I've had it a few times, like other um, comedians have been chatting to me after a gig and they've gone, oh, you're much more Bristolian on stage. And I'm like, right. And they're like, is that, is, why do you do that? And I'm like, well, I don't necessarily, and it, it really irritates me because I'm like, well, your accent can fluctuate, right? Like I've yeah, grown up very, 100%. very Bristolian. And then I went to uni and then I work in quite a middle-class way where I'm on the phone a lot to TV producers and very, very middle-class yeah. people. So you adapt the way you talk, but get me drunk, angry or excited and I'm so Bristolian. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, part of that just comes out on stage. Like I can feel like I like can be a big, loud, confident, funny version of myself. But then if you're going to come and sit with me and I'm going to order a drink and go, oh, yeah, I'll have a cider, please. doesn't necessarily go, yeah, right, mate, I'll have a cider. But the way I say it when I'm yeah. excited on stage and, and giving you a bit more personality yeah. Oh yeah, that's that's the way it is, and what's what's the problem with that? But I think sometimes the people have commented on it as if, you know, oh, you're bigging it up to make it, you know, more working class, and I'm like, no, it's just you've got to be a bit more of a uh, an enhanced version of yourself on stage, right? And you've got to have a certain angle, and that's where I come from in that way. If you know what I mean? Yeah, and like you need to like hone your jokes, like in your like your sort of skill set, and learn how to write jokes and. Like anyone can be funny in a pub and like the thing with I think like the comedians is you're generally you're not the funniest person that you know but you just know how to sort of work it into a bit and like there's a there can be a funny person that just is funny and they don't care about how they're funny and then like my yeah. stand-ups have been funny but then they've had enough times where they've tried to be funny it's not been funny that they've gone right I'm gonna learn how to be funny <laughs> and like yeah. having having that angle is like it helps you write about a specific subject and you go oh if i do this or that or if i you know, if i try that and then once you like mine this subject like long enough you can then jump onto other things but that's also still going to be like who you are because you're selling yourself as like a product as well almost as a brand yeah so like if people are going to go oh you know that's russell howard he's you know he does um uh, you know sort of quite uplifting comedy doesn't he um yeah. and he does things about his mum and you want to hear those accents he's not going to suddenly drop it just because you know some some geezer's gone oh i don't like that why can't you do something else like, yeah and i think if you're not if you haven't sort of i think this is what maybe some new or when you're starting out this is one of the things that you need to figure out is i think if you're not coming from like a particular angle or sort of lifestyle personality trait whatever it is and you're not making it clear your jokes won't necessarily work yeah. so like i can say stuff about you know or I've, I've got a very posh boyfriend and you know we live together now it's brilliant because we've got a cleaner and then i talk about how the cleaner is my nan you know because yeah. i pay the old bitch you might as well keep the money in the family like stupid stuff like that yeah. that's funny if i've established that i'm actually a bit of a you know bristolian scabber in real life but yeah. if somebody who comes across very middle class said you know, these nasty things I say about my nan, you just yeah. think they were horrible. And the same as if somebody stood up and made, 
you know, cancer jokes, you'd be like, what the hell? But you can make all your jokes about that material funny because it's, it's relevant and true to you. And yeah. that angle is what makes it, you know, oh my God, I can't believe he said that, but he can. And I am happy for him to do that because I understand where he's coming from. Yeah, like a hundred percent. Some people would just look like a complete knob if, L- if you don't know. <laughs> Literally, like there, there is that thing of watching someone do a joke where they don't really have the um the full information on what they're talking about and you can see they're trying to be funny but like you're just you're you're going around about it in like the complete wrong way because you're sort of putting the truth of what is of what it is at the cost of being funny yeah and like sometimes you know the reason like why a lot of sort of edgy comedians are funny is because they they know how to understand a situation and then they sort of create a, re- a reality of that where you sort of laugh along with them and go oh yeah that was funny it might not be true but you sort of you trust the comedian that they're just being funny whereas some people just go straight into this dodgy reality and you're just sat there at like tuesday night in in a, in a pub just thinking what the fuck have i just watched yeah well that's exactly it isn't it it's like you know you can listen to to uh um i don't know let's say Catherine ryan talk about how you know annoying it is being a mum and how yeah. like you know shitty it is but if if a you know a young like woman who's like not got any kids got out there and started saying about how shitty it is being a mother you'd be like oh not yeah. sure that's that's your angle if you know yeah. what i mean but you yeah it's all that kind of thing i think it's quite interesting i think maybe sometimes when you're starting out or like jokes aren't working I sometimes think, oh, am I not coming from that from the right place? Yeah. Does that joke that I want to be quite nasty, is it funny because it's nasty about myself and I've made that clear? Or do I sound like I'm being nasty about an innocent person or culture or group of people? Yeah. If you know what I mean? And Whereas it, if I go, look at these dickheads and I'm one of them, it's funny. <laughs> if yeah, you know what I mean? Literally. It's like the context of what you're talking about as well. Like, I don't know, you could say something that's really harsh, but you might have the context laid out with your friends, for example. So there might be like a running joke or or just something where the context is there for you to say something that to most people, they go, what the fuck are you on about? But because it's with your friends, you all sort of know why you're saying it. Like you might not mean it in a certain way, but you're just having a laugh. But if you bring, like, it can be difficult to bring that to to the stage. If you're going, oh yeah, I'm, I'm well funny with my friends doing like these overly offensive jokes. Um, but then you go on and do like five, 10 minutes somewhere. You haven't built up that sort of relationship with the audience. They don't know who you, who you are and you just sound like a complete bellend. Yeah, exactly. They need, I feel like, yeah, they need to know who you are and they need to trust that you're joking. And this is all a very clever sort of thing that you've planned to make yeah. them laugh rather than just, yeah. Oh, who's this? <laughs> who's this again? Yeah. Like a hundred percent. Like I've, I've felt like, with my set as well, I've got a joke where I'm going in and I'm getting an ultrasound and it happened in real life. It was the sort of thing where um, I went in and they had like this trainee that was doing it and it was, you know, like, I know she must have been like 20, 21 and I was just expecting an old geezer to do it. So it automatically changed my, I was like, oh, hold on, this isn't normal. And then you're just sort of there like, you know, like young, like 20 year old lad thinking like, oh, you know, like, I hope nothing happens. Like you're, you're thinking... Like your initial thought is you're going in for cancer and your next thought is I really hope nothing happens while she's down there. And it's just like, (laughs) it's a funny thing to, um, to bring together. But if I don't explain that I've gone in for cancer, like I don't actually want this, like this is just, you know, it's like a human reaction, blah, blah, blah. 
if I just go in, yeah, and this girl went in there and I've got a boner, people would just be like, who the fuck are you, you pervert? But, yeah, you absolute creep. <laughs> yeah, but like, if you can explain it in the way it is, it's like, I was just worried about like potentially dying and then this just like, because it's so minuscule, like the issue you've got, it, it works. But like, if you can't make out like your angle and why it might be minuscule, you can look like such a bell end. Yeah, definitely. I think definitely seeing people come across in that way. And yeah. then they tend to blame the audience for like, oh, everyone's offended, everyone's too woke. And it's like, oh, no, oh, actually, no. It's, it's, it's you. <laughs> yeah, it's 100% you. Like, it's that thing of the, you know, you can't see anything anymore. And it's just, no, you can say things. It's just people are going to say things back or do things back. And like, you, you've got to just hold on to that. Yeah, and you just sort of sometimes, I guess, you know, know your audience. Like, I just started just before lockdown. I, I started doing this new material about um, babies, and how like a lot of my friends are starting to settle down and have babies. And I'm like, I can't stand babies. They all look like ball sacks, you know. Yeah. All these like slags from a school are starting to have grandchildren, and like I do all this thing about that. And like, I would never in a million years do that at like one of those parent and baby events. Like, yeah. <laughs> never, <laughs> because I'd be coming at it from such a the wrong angle to the wrong people but yeah. I would try that at an open mic night or I would do it at a student night or I would do it in a general thing because it's all about me and my feelings and I joke about you know yeah try to prove whatever but you want to get to a point <laughs> where you can tell that joke to like that audience but yeah you've got you've got to try it out first you can't just you can't just go in with like your worst material and then just hope that everyone's going to enjoy it it's that like working exactly. it up and yeah that wriggling about of it isn't it and like yeah making yeah. sure it's worded in the right way so that it comes across as oh god i'm i'm, I'm i mean and funny not yeah. i've said something really nasty that applies to me so that was the end of episode two of danny johns if you've enjoyed the podcast so far please give it a good review and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on cheers <laughs>